everyone. Thank you for tuning in to Unapologetically Different Podcast. We're in Season 4, Episode 27. I'm your co-host, Key. And I'm your co-host, Coach P. I love the new hairstyle, Key. Thank it's, you. It's like a Janelle Monae-esque. Very much so. For those of you who don't know, I took out my braids. I had the Janet Jackson braids for a little bit. Took them joints out. Now I got my natural hair out and I pinned it up. Very Jonelle Monet-esque. I love this hairstyle. It's really nice and it makes me look and feel sophisticated. Yeah, very Afrocentric. Are you feeling okay today? I feel terrible. You look terrible. Yeah, but I'm <laughs> all it. I'm all about the performance and we're gonna we're gonna make the show happen. It's gonna be lit and I'm gonna power through. Alright, I like that energy. Thank you. You like always that. got that good positive vibe. Ooh. So we're going to discuss Me Too Part 2. In the previous season, episode 23, we discussed the beginning of the Me Too movement. The movement has been thriving since then. Men are being called out left and right, like literally, for their actions, um, also known as their bullshit. One of the things that has stood out since the time we spoke about it is um, Time Magazine. They did their person of the year, The Silence Breakers which basically paid homage to the woman or putting a woman on the cover. And it was an in-depth article about the woman who have experienced um, sexual assault and harassment within the workplace, or in general for that matter, and kind of spoke about their stories. And some of the people that were a part of the article is um, a lobbyist named Adama Uwe, a hotel hospitality coordinator, Dana Lewis, the actress Ashley Judd, and the actress Summer Blair, and also the one and only Tarana Burke, who is the founder of the Me Too movement. We also discussed that in a previous episode, episode 23. So please go on SoundCloud and iTunes and check out that episode. And if you listen to that back-to-back with this episode, then it will be a consistency of information and things for you to know as to what's going on and how the movement has progressed. There was a bit of a controversy, to say the least, that Tarana should have been a part of the cover because she was the founder and they didn't really pay homage to her, especially when the movement came about more recently. It was like she was left out of that in regards to creating it 10 years ago. But needless to say, she's still a part of the article. She did speak about um, her premise of starting the movement and how far it's it's have come along, especially in light of what's going on now. This story has definitely been an ongoing development, and it seems like every, every other day there's just more people just essentially just being called out because they have shown actions of sexual harassment or assault. And it's, it's actually shocking. Like, it really shows you how deep this has been running and for how long. Um, so the, one of the first examples is Matt Lauer, an NBC host. And some of the things that came out about his particular instance, he gave a colleague a sex toy as a present and stated he wanted to use it on her. That does not seem classy at all. Mm-hmm. Like, shaking my head. Um and on another day, he, seen, he summoned a different female employee into his office and then dropped his pants and showed her, her his penis. And he reprimanded her for not engaging in the sexual act. And due to these recurring events that were reported, there was an ongoing two-month investigation, which eventually ended with him being fired from NBC. It's like... I don't even I don't even understand why these guys are doing this. It's like they're in that position of power and they don't know how to act anymore. Like I feel like I, anymore are they always been like that, but now the spotlight is on them. That is that is a, when it comes to power dynamics, it definitely changes one's actions onto someone else as to what they can and cannot do. Yeah. Um, do you think other women reported him in the past, and if so, why did the NBC execs? not really care and actually took action now to suddenly fire him. I think there may have been incidents in the past because there have been um, talks and speculations when the story came out stating that people, women have complained in the past about his encounters. I'm not sure if NBC had taken it very seriously at the time or they kind of brushed it under the rug. And in turn, I think now because of this whole Me Too movement where everything is like, you know, everything's being put out, the dirty laundry's being aired... I think it was only right that they they went, they followed suit and actually fired him. But I don't think this was recent events that has been taking place. I definitely, I feel as if um, this has 
going on for some time and they probably know and they were trying to keep it hush hush because he was one of their main anchors and he was you know adding ratings to their show yeah it's definitely with these bigger businesses really all about the dollars at the end of the day they can swipe and brush these things under the rug until it's like out in the media huge mainstream attention and then it's gonna affect their bottom line so they're like okay you gotta go buddy basically um so another person that came out was charlie rose he was a longtime tv host of the charlie rose show and cbs the morning show and eight women actually informed the washington post that he made unwanted sexual advances on them from the late 1990s to 2011 and the women ranged from ages 21 to 37 years old and yeah it it's scary like when you think that these guys from 1990 to 2011 he was a busy man yeah. he had a lot going on yeah um like this is decades of stuff that's happening which is really disheartening and the fact that it happened for so long. You always question who came out first, if their stories were ever taken seriously, and the level of consistency of the women who have experienced these encounters. You always question if the company were aware of what was going on at the time or if they even took it seriously. Maybe the movement wasn't happening. He probably still would have had his job. So that's something to also consider. Another person was um, Mark Halperin. He is the co-author of The Game Changer, and he was also a journalist and known for his senior political analyst for MSNBC. At least 5 to 12 women have reported he either sexually harassed or assaulted them during his time at ABC News. So around 1997 or 1998, um, one of his accusers met with him to talk about her career advice. She met him in his office. She was sitting on the opposite end of his desk, and she stated that he was sitting across from her as he was masturbating under the desk. You know, talk about the importance of busting a nut. <laughs> this is the time that you want to do that. That's insane. I, like, I don't even get it. Like, I don't know if it's uh, what it is about the, the power, but... I'm surprised you're surprised. No, that's weird to me. Like, like it just... Especially around the time of 1998 and 1998, like, where it, like, lacked any kind of woman equality or anything along those lines like i'm not surprised i mean it has progressed over time but at the same time it's like i'm not surprised those incidents was happening or did happen for that matter well i'm just i'm more so saying like the things that these guys are doing are just like weird things like it's just sick in the head i don't know weird than rape huh weird than rape well because rape normally happens i mean these little not little but these events leading up to it is like another shocking factor i don't know i think because it's so prevalent that these women have come forward either been sexually harassed or assaulted for me it's like the most weirdest and craziest thing that could happen is you raping a woman because it's like you definitely crossed boundaries you invaded her body and her space i'm not surprised that he's sitting across from her masturbating yeah i i don't know for me that just rape is just unexcusable disgusting but the fact that he's masturbating across the desk while talking to her, it's like, that. it just doesn't make any sense to me. And I, it just weirds me out. I don't know. Oh, there's more. Um, <laughs> let's, let's not stop there with the shenanigans. Um, Glenn Thrust, he is a New York Times reporter, former chief political correspondent at Politico. Um, four female journalist, journalists also came forward about him acting inappropriately towards them, including unwanted kissing and touching. I think that's also important because sometimes men, when they tend to invade a woman's space, they think a woman wants to be touched or she wants to be kissed in some capacity. Sometimes, I like, even with me, like, I kind of dislike it for me and a guy, like, we're greeting each other. I love a handshake. I'm big on handshakes. I feel like you could tell a lot by someone with a handshake. I don't like the wet kisses on my cheek. That, like, and I'm just like, is that necessary? Like, you wouldn't do that to another dude, so why are you doing that to me? A handshake would be simple, be fine. And I think that's also something that needs to be discussed in terms of unwanted kissing and touching. I think that is common where men think it's okay to, some men think it's okay to violate a woman's personal space or to touch her in a certain kind of way. And it's like, no, there was no consent there for you to touch me, and there was no consent for you to be kissing me. Um, Well, one thing I just want to point out about that. Um, I think that also really depends on just the where you're living in the world because in some countries, like in France, kissing on the cheek on both sides is 
like a societal norm and it's acceptable. So Well, he's not from France. Right, no. We're not in France. But I'm just saying just okay. like uh-huh. it different like where you are in the world. I just really wanted to just point that out as well. But I get it. You're from nope. the Bronx and you don't <laughs> want dudes dudes from now the Bronx coming from up the Bronx. to you with Tim's and it has nothing to do with that i'm just you know with where we're at it as a country as americans and culturally we don't do that i get where you're coming from i get where you're coming from and i just and you know i just like to always um just really put different perspectives out there but yeah no completely understood and i personally i've always been a hugger but i think you hug guys too yeah the same frequency as you hugging a female I, like I, every guy you meet, you hug them. Well, if I'm cool with someone, I like to give them the one-handed pound, and then we lean in and put the arm around. But that's not a full hug, because a hug really consists of two arms around the person. You'll hug a woman differently than you will hug a man. You're doing a dap and a pull-in. You don't do that to a woman. But once you wrap the arm around it to hug. But it's one arm. Yeah, you can, get, you can give the side arm hug. And it's not You Got don't it. have two arms where you have more of an advantage and more access to the person's body. Just putting a little perspective to it. And then I think there's levels to the hug mm-hmm. as well because you can definitely hug in levels. Impro- inappropriate ways. Yes, you can. So I think you I can... don't need to be feeling certain things in a hug. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Completely, completely It needs understood. to be simple. Keep it simple. And even that I don't like, but it is what it is. Unless um, it's key. Hit it with the handshake. <laughs> Whatever. Hit it with the pound and the dab. So next person is Kevin Spacey. He's a former lead actor in House of Cards and Netflix series. In light of what's been coming to the surface in regards to his victims, the series decided to continue without him. So Robin Wright will be the lead actress. She plays his wife in the series. So she'll be the lead actress moving forward. In regards to Kevin Spacey, 15 male accusers have come forward about Spacey's sexual harassment and attempted rape, which had happened decades ago. Um, multiple men have came forward about him touching them inappropriately or they um, had experienced some form of rape. So it's it's interesting in the context of what's going on with the Me Too movement and how it's primarily for women victims and now to kind of hear men come forward. Not saying that these male accusers' stories are not valid and not important, just to hear their takes and how they come out by the boatload with him, like left and right by the boatload with Kevin Spacey. Um in terms of how he he violated his victims. And in regards to that, being that his victims are males, do you think in terms of like sexual assault and harassment, their stories are hold, not hold weight, but are just as important as these women who are coming out about their own incidents? I definitely think they are just as important. Um, I think it may not be as, it may not be happening as much as yeah. it is with women. But I don't think that means they should be disregarded. Um, so yeah, I definitely think it's just as important as with the women. And yeah. And with the movement of Me Too, it originated for women victims to come out and kind of speak about their stories and kind of for them to have a space to be vocal as to what's going on and kind of get some form of healing. Do you think that applies to the male victims as well? Um, definitely. Cause like we said in the previous episode, like with Terry Crews, where he experienced sexual harassment and assault as well. Um, I think with these men, if they're going through this, um, and experiencing the harassment or the assault, it, their experience is just as valid. Mm-hmm. Um, I think at the end of the day, we shouldn't differentiate, um, between victims, like their victims they're Regardless all victims. The yeah. Exactly. It's clear that there's an overwhelming number of women victims versus male victims. Yeah. Um, but I think it would just be uncouth. <laughs> Big word. <laughs> Big word. <laughs> uh, to to actually just like disregard the male victims. But yeah, it it's scary and it shows you that like this is it can happen to anyone. It can. Yeah, so that's why, for me personally... And it's not only catered to, like, heterosexual couples. It's right. definitely something that applies to same-sex couples and relations. So for those of you who are listening to the show, let's not just think it's women out there who are experiencing these things or from a male a male attacking a woman in some aspects. Men can attack men, too, and vice versa. So just yeah. be mindful of that. Yeah, definitely. We and it's it's obvious. Like we live in a patriarchal society, so men 
are in this position where they have been taking advantage of women. And there was someone who said um, that women recently got into the workplace and the act of them just being in the workplace was a victory, but the the way they were treated once they actually got into it was kind of never really addressed. It was mm-hmm. just like getting that victory of actually just being treated equally in, in the sense of actually just being allowed to be employed and getting these jobs. That was a huge victory, but it kind of just let the other things in terms of fair treatment, equal pay, these issues kind of got pushed to the side, but no longer. <laughs> well, we'll see how far this movement go. Me and Kia splitting the royalties evenly. Now this. <laughs> um, so the, the next person we wanted to highlight was Dustin Hoffman. He said highlight. <laughs> To point out. Point out. We're going to edit that out. So the next person we wanted to point out is Dustin Hoffman. And he's accused of several harassment and assault by multiple women. Um, Three accusers actually came forward. The first being Anne Graham Hunter, who was working as a 17-year-old production assistant when he groped her and asked her to rub his feet and made sexually explicit comments to her. And just wanna and please do keep in mind he was a grown ass man at the time. It wasn't like he was seventeen too. So not saying even if he was that age, his actions were appropriate. But yeah. the context of a minor. Yeah, and there's a, there's a pattern here. So just just follow along. Very interesting pattern. Um, another woman experienced a similar encounter with him, where she was groped, and he again asked her to rub his feet. And then a third woman came forward and mentioned when she was 16 years old, she went out to dinner with his daughter and himself. And after the daughter went home, he derobed and take a wild guess. Asked her to rub his feet. Ding, ding, ding. So he has a thing with feet. Asked her to rub his feet. So yeah, Um, kind of, kind of going back to what I said before. Some of these stuff just weird to me and like. I don't understand why these guys are willing to risk everything that they have for these weird fetishes that they have. Like you're But I don't think it's a matter of doing it to risk anything because when you live in a patriarchal world and society, you don't think you're actually gonna miss out or lose something or yeah. risk it because you're in that position of power. But to me it's not a matter of whether you risk it or not. It's like why would you do that? In his True. case it's you're, like you're hundred percent right. You about a seventeen year old and sixteen year old, you're a grown ass man, like like bruh. And people they gotta love be you. like they has well did yeah. past tense at some point, yeah. but like that is even disconcerting. And the reason why we're mentioning these um, men who have come to light is that stories are different, and the kind of woman they may target is slightly different, and the age group that they target is different. So it's like being mindful of you know not it's not a one size fit all kind of concept. Every woman has a different take on what they've experienced, but that that doesn't negate the fact that a woman was either raped violated sexual assault sexual harassment but it's just when you listen to these stories and kind of get a take of it it just shows you the variations of the levels of attack yeah and how they're mistreated yeah um yeah the only thing that's really consistent is just the mistreating of of people and it's crazy um so the next person we wanted to point out was russell simmons he he was accused of rape by three women one being Drew Dixon. She was an executive of Def Jam in 1995. She claimed she experienced sexual harassment repeatedly by Simmons prior to the actual rape incident. Um, Tony Sally was a music journalist for Black Radio Exclusive. She was invited to his Manhattan apartment for a party he was hosting for his girlfriend at the time. Shaking my head. She went and the place was empty. And this, this occurred in 1988. Um, and Tina Baker, a singer, stated he raped her early in the 1990s when he was her manager at the time. And in the light of the recent event, Simmons has taken a polygraph test to prove his innocence. <laughs> and he also Bruh. took a step further by creating the Not Me movement. I read a great article by Michael Arsenal. It's on Essence Online. It's titled, it's titled Russell Simmons' Not Me is Not the Way. And he basically speaks about his response to creating this not me is basically a pompous and delusional counter-narrative to the Me Too movement. And I think it's very valid in terms of him speaking on it, especially from a male standpoint. It's like the Me Too movement was meant because women felt as if their perpetrators and assailants were not being 
taken seriously in terms of um, actually making sure they're being accountable for their actions. And it took a long time for the movement for the movement to be where it's at now, and hopefully for it to progress down the future. For so for him to come out with this counter narrative of not me. I'm not feeling it. And I was kind of bothered by it because I was like, to me, it's just distasteful and it's disrespectful. It's like, okay, so this is what we're doing now. Um, I'm not sure how many men plan on, on jumping on that bandwagon if it, it's going to become something. But it kind of becomes like us versus them, me too versus not me. Like, it's kind of similar to, like, you stayed in Black Lives Matter and then coming out with a narrative, all lives matter. It's <laughs> like, really? Like, where are we going to go with that? So I was really bothered with him creating that hashtag. I'm not trying to, I'm not sure how far he plans on getting with that movement, but I definitely think it was, it could have been done better. Um, do you think the not me movement is an appropriate response to me too? It's coming from a male standpoint. Um, I what did you think when you first heard it? When I first heard it, I didn't have the same reaction as you. I thought that he was defending himself and I just looked at it as he's saying not me I didn't do it but when you put it from the perspective of trying to build a whole movement around it it just it creates like a, a out for people who have actually um, been the perpetrators of like the sexual harassment sexual assault and it just gives people a bandwagon to hop on to say, hey, this is not true. Especially in regards to his cases, a lot of them happened years ago. And the thing that is a commonality with these cases that have taken place decades ago is statute of limitations. Yeah, like I feel like there could have been like a definitely a more, um, more crafted response, like maybe a press conference with, and potentially press conference with his lawyer versus just trying to be on Twitter and just trying to get get the Twitter waves on his back to just, to kind of escape this. And again, I, I can't, I don't know, I can't say whether these allegations are true or not, but when it's consistent and multiple people are saying it, I think that if he genuinely is telling the truth, there's, there's a better way to do it versus just trying to start a new movement against it. And okay, so in regards to that, you did say like men who may not, fall in line with being perpetrators perpetrators or assailants. And so, basically, what about the men that out there who may support this Not Me movement? Like, in the ones who are not, do would you support them? The ones who don't consider them, like, who are actually innocent and they created this Not Me? What if Not Me became a thing? Like, it became an actual movement. Do, would you support that? It's not a trick question. For those who are innocent, if they're actually innocent. I think that's a loaded question. I just... <laughs> yeah, I'm, Pierre, oh my God. You? All right. I see this. No, I think it's a loaded question because I don't know. I can't say that if, if one person got accused of something and he's not a wealthy celebrity public figure and he's using the hashtag, it's not me. I can't say that whether he's telling the truth or not. Like, I just, I don't know. Okay. I'm just asking because I know we have conversations surrounding this and we let me take it a step further. Like, the conversation, and I've had conversations not only with you, but other guys that I may be cool with is like, now the guys who don't partake in those acts and consider themselves normal, whatever that is, it's like, I don't know how to approach a woman now. Mm -hmm. I don't know what to, because all of this Me Too joint, I don't want to be another one on the list. And that really irks my nerves because mm -hmm. it's like, how were you approaching a woman before? Like, you should approach her with respect. The same way you would approach your mother. Matter of fact, the same way you would want to do to approach your mother and your sister. I feel like when you take it up to and your daughter, if you end up having one, I feel like you have to take it up a notch with guys because that's when you guys comprehend like, oh, I get it. It's like an aha moment. I shouldn't have to correlate it to your mother, your sister, or your daughter for you to understand how to respect the woman. So that's why I bring it back to this question. Like, if there are men who are innocent mm -hmm. and they created this movement, will you support it? I just, I don't know what you mean don't by saying... Don't be politically correct because we on air, bruh. Say, do what it do. I just we don't... unapologetically different out here in these streets. I just don't know what you mean by support. Am I going to be at... Not me. Rallies. You support me too. 
Yeah, I definitely think it's important that people who are dealing with sexual assault, harassment, are speaking up and not letting the people who perpetrated these acts just get away with it. Yeah. I 100% support that. But I 100% support someone who is potentially being falsely accused of defending themselves. Okay. So... I, I just don't know how to answer that. Like, I mean, you answered it. I just think that I really feel like it may become a movement um, with a lot of crazy things that's happened in this world, i.e. Trump being president, still to this day. <laughs> I don't understand why that's still that's happening. That's the Teflon Don. He's untouchable. <laughs> Whatever. Um, but no, seriously, like I do think it's going to become something. And I'm not saying I'm... Listen, I'm all for the Me Too movement, women who are coming forward. I think it's great. It's commendable. There are men out there, I feel like in, a, in the context of conversation surrounding me too, there's always that there are guys that maybe a group of men or some that be like, well, he didn't do it. And it's just like, were you there? And it'd be like, well, were you there? And it becomes that ongoing back and forth, especially when these incidents have happened years ago. Yeah. You know, and even when we take it a step further, even in regards to when Cosby incident happened, it was like, dudes was like, oh no, he didn't do it. He didn't do anything. And it was just like, how do you know that? You know what I'm saying? Like, so 30 of these women came out. Just for the sake of, oh, because he was trying to own NBC. That's what they were saying. It was a conspiracy. Okay. So um, what I'm trying to say is that I do think down the road, not me, maybe picked up and become a movement. Especially if Russell's running behind it. He probably just take it and drag it out. I don't really think it's an appropriate response to the Me Too movement. But for those cases, there may be those men out there who wanted to are falsely accused of something that they didn't do. I feel like you could go about a different way of defending your character and your career and your profession if you actually didn't do what you're accused of doing. Those cases are far and few between. And so to kind of see that progress and happen, I'm not sure. But I just don't think the not me thing is the right way to go about it. But as he's saying, he's he's doing what he needs to do. He's doing a polygraph. He's creating a movement. I don't know what he's going to plan to do next week. I just don't think it's appropriate in regards to what the movement is. And also, too, to take it a step further, Gabrielle Union made a statement. I love me some Gabrielle Union. Shout out, Gabrielle Union. <laughs> she spoke out about the recent events as well. And for those of you who don't know, um, she conducted an interview with Times Magazine when she discussed her uh, her book tour turned into a pop-up safe space. She just had a book release called We're Going to Need More Wine. And for those of you who don't know, Gabrielle Union was raped at gunpoint at the age of 19 years old. She also discussed that in her book. So definitely go check it out. And um, one of the things that she stated in the interview which I thought was important was she said that the floodgates have opened up for white women to come forward about their incidents. Um, I don't think it's a coincidence whose pain has been taken seriously, whose pain we have showed historically and continue to show, whose pain is tolerable and whose pain is intolerable and whose pain needs to be addressed now i think that's really valid because i don't think the me too movement would have been it would have been as big as it is if it was just black woman or woman of color i don't think it would have got the same light and recognition if it was even with when cosby came out woman's coming out left and right i don't think it would have hold as many weight if it was like 20 30 black woman or woman of color across the board i think because white women are part of the movement it gave it gave it kind of shined a light on it and to me at the end of the day it shouldn't matter if you're black white or purple if you were sexually assaulted or violated in any way your story should matter regardless yeah. a light should be shining on your story to let people understand what's going on and why your perpetrator should be held accountable but how we live in this post-racial world that's definitely not the case <laughs> <laughs> sarcasm at its finest post-racial um i definitely I definitely agree with that as well. Um, it's unfortunate to say, but I do think that to an extent because um, white women gave the, the movement steam, it, it, w it picked up quicker or just in general versus if it had been women, black women or just women of color. And that's just the unfortunate reality of 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 the society that we're living in today. I think that we have to accept it for what it is. And, but by accepting it and realizing what we're actually dealing with, that's how you're going to actually be able to address it and make change. And just to like, take it a step further, if we're talking about police brutality and there were innocent white, white male children being killed, I think the way 
the media is covering it. Yeah, I think the way the media covers it, I think the way um, it's being addressed, there would be way more swift and decisive action. Um, and that's not to say there aren't innocent white men and children being killed or a victim of police brutality, but I think once once it's being, like... It's rare and it's far and few between I, when you I, compare it to people of color. I think if, if that was the case for... Um, white people it, it would the movements would be way more swift and decisive and change would come about a lot quicker and again that's just my personal belief but for me understanding that or believing that it just gives me the lens and the perspective to work with it i don't want to be in denial about what the reality of the situation is i also kind of to bring it back do you think there's a thin line between pursuing someone in sexual harassment what do you mean is there a thin line uh-huh. between pursuing someone, trying to talk to a female, uh, okay. and sexual harassment? Um, Pierre, yeah. be honest. Please be honest, because you be saying mad-ish off of this air. Don't be politically correct now. Let's keep it on honey, because in light of this Me Too thing, like, real talk, do you think there's a thin line between you pursuing a woman... Mm-hmm. And there being some form of sexual, where she could be like, that's sexual harassment. Where now, in light of what's going on, you could be like, oh, I see it now. Um, yeah, I think it's different in every situation. I think, like, just to give you an example, if I'm going to uh, a reggae fest and we're out partying, it's just normal and acceptable in a party like that. Girls are dancing, winding up their waist, and guys just walk up behind them and start dancing on them. That's acceptable in that setting. But a guy who might be used to that kind of partying, dancing, may do that in a setting where that isn't normal. And it could just be like, he sexually harassed me. He put his penis on me. Like, so I'm, I'm being serious. I think it, it, all, it really is subjective. Like we were saying before, you don't want guys hugging you. And you'd much rather have a handshake, but someone like me, I... I don't have a problem with... So let me correct that. I don't have a problem with someone hugging me, but I've had different levels of hugs where it's like, that's... you. I don't need to feel everything. <laughs> like, a little pat. And even that, I've had experience where if I pat a guy's like, oh, why are you pat me like that with your butt sticking? I was like, does it matter? You're getting a hug regardless. Do you want my butt all the way in? And I've heard that. Like, why are you hugging me? It's like, does it, if I hug a female, she's not going to be like, why are you hugging me with your butt out? It's going to be like, okay, little tap, tap, and keep it pushing. Like, to me, it's like, there's levels of hugs. And I personally feel like there's times I've hugged someone, I'm like, all right, this is a bit much. It's not that serious. Yeah, and but that's what I'm saying. I think it's all subjective, and you have to really just be conscious of your setting, who you're dealing with, and just what's the context that you're in. But there's a thin line. Yes. Okay. And also in regards to that as well, since we're holding all these men accountable and many more that we have not discussed on the show, um, because this is ongoing, so we could spend a whole season talking about this whole Me Too campaign. All these other men are being held accountable. But what about Trump? You know, prior to his presidency, he, you know, was caught told that he was grabbing vaginas. And there have, have been women who have came forward about his form of sexual harassment, a sexual um, assault to some capacity. Why are we not holding him accountable? Why is he still president? What's going on? He's the Teflon Don. It's it's sad, but that's literally what it is. He's untouchable. It's disgusting because if we're going to hold all these other men accountable, we need to hold him accountable as well. It's funny because I said that I feel like the highlight of him being president is this Me Too campaign coming about because it's come on full force and I feel like due to the woman's... um, I don't even want to say all of that, but I think that... It's like, you know what, he became president, and in light, it's like, you know what, we're going to have all these stories come forward. That's how I see it. What do you mean by that? Do you feel like it was kind of like to distract it from what he did? I don't think it's a distraction from what he did. I just feel like to we, we, when we have a president in office, we have someone who is a form of a leader and proper representation. 
and as someone you look up to, like mm-hmm. Obama, who's amazing, still is amazing in my book. And then we have this person. Shout out to 44. <laughs> Shout out. And then we have this one right here, who is not a proper leader, not a form of representation. And he does tie into the Me Too campaign in terms of sexual assault and harassment. I think... To me, it's like a, a joke that God is playing. Like, hey, look, he's president, but I'm going to give you this on the side. This is going to be amazing. It's going to be this Me Too campaign that's going to come forward mm. and hold these other men in, in power accountable for their actions and bring them down one by one by one. I don't know if this would have came about and been as progressive with Obama as president. I'm not sure. It probably would have. I'm not sure if it would have held as much weight. But it's like, in light of bad things happening, good things come out of it. And I think him being president was like the most horrific thing that could happen within the past year or so. Mm-hmm. This was like a highlight of it, that these men are being held accountable. Yeah, it's crazy. You said this past year. A lot has happened. Yeah. And it's still going on. Oh, so I think God yeah. is like, this is karma. We're only a quarter of the way done. Not even. Facts. It's Yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely just unfortunate that these... Um, these women have came out and spoke against him. He's been on, like, recorded and on camera making these, Inappropriate comments, yeah. derogatory comments at that. And he's still... If Obama had said that, what? it would have been a wrap. It would have been a done deal. They would have been coming to the White Houses with tiki torches. <laughs> the shade. It would have literally just been ridiculous. So... <sighs> Shout out to White Privilege. Because that's what that is. Call <sighs> it what it is. Is it, though? Because there's a lot of white men who are being taken down from the Me Too movement. But they're not the president of the United States of America. That's why I think for Donald Trump, it's a whole... And look how many years they've been. These men that are coming, that incidents are happening. It didn't happen in last year. It happened 20 years ago. I mean, it did happen 20 years ago. Look how they're coming out. Back to back. Back to back to back. And why does it matter? Because of the Me Too campaign. If the Me Too was not going about, because it originated from Harvey... Well, it didn't even originate from Harvey Weinstein. It originated 10 years ago when Miss Burke created it. And it wasn't taken up as seriously. It was like a phase. And now, because of Harvey Weinstein, women are coming out left and right. And then let's, let's talk about white privilege. What women are coming out? What stories are being put at the forefront? White women. All right. So like I said... Shout out to white privilege. It is what it is. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, Donald's a bully. And he's just the unstoppable bully. And speak- it's disgusting. Yeah. Even throughout his campaign, he was a bully. And he still is a bully. Speaking of. Yeah. That just drained my energy just talking about him. <laughs> Um, so for those of you who've been following our show, we've begun to incorporate my Coach P dropping gem segment into each episode, and I'm just a very big advocate of striving to be the best version of yourself in all aspects of your life, but especially health, well-being, and just creating what you want out of your life and your time on this earth and on the planet. And with that being said, today I kind of want to discuss bullying as this is a serious mental health issue that many people are dealing with. Um, so there's been a lot of stories about bullying and they've been calling it bully side where people and a lot of children have been committing suicide as the tragic aftermath of dealing with bullying. And just to name a few. Yeah, just to point out a few of them, there was an eight year old biracial boy whose family claimed a group of white teens attempted to hang him in Claremont, New Hampshire on August 28th. Um, The fact that it's 2017 and people are tying nooses around people's necks, like, I don't, that's just insane, especially it's teenagers. Like, like what conversations are happening at home that that's the form of bullying that you're going to go about and take? And we're supposed to be progressing. Yeah. <laughs> we're going backwards. Um, there was an 11-year-old teen in the Bronx who was a victim to the hot water challenge prank where she was awakened from her sleep by hot boiling water being poured on her face. And her name was Jamonisha Merritt, and she suffered burns to her face, 
chest, back, and shoulders due to the incident. Um, luckily, she did survive it, so that was a thing. But yeah. it's unfortunate because she was at a sleepover with friends, people that she actually trusted. And to know that that happened to her, it's like, these teens could be real vicious. They're taking it to another level. Yeah, that's that's insane. And I definitely want to touch on that a little bit later, the fact that the, the level of pranks have stepped up from when I was younger, at least. Um, there's another girl. She's a 10-year-old girl named Ashanti Davis from Colorado, and she actually took her life after a video of a fight she got into surfaced on an app called Musical.ly. Ashanti's parents saw the fight occurred. Ashanti's parents said the fight occurred because she confronted a bully who had been tormenting her, and once the video footage of the fight ended up online, she just wasn't able to deal with the aftermath. And this one really, really, like, got to me because she was defending herself. Like, she was defending herself against someone who was bullying her and was tormenting her. And even in the aftermath of trying to defend herself, she still was the victim. And and she ended up taking her own life, which is sad. And then to yeah. kind of... To me, it's like... It's even sadder because I'm like, does the girl who was bullying her understand the capacity of what she did? Yeah. At 10 years old, can you even comprehend what you did? And because of your actions, this girl has committed suicide. Like, you played a part in her taking her life. Like, at what point? How do, how are these conversations being had with these, um, these young children? And I think that's the sad part. It's like, where do you go from there in regards to that? But so in light of that, what I find to be interesting is that a couple weeks later... Um, when the Shanti incident happened, it did not really pick up and throughout the media. People weren't talking about it, which I thought was really sad. But what, what people were talking about and were at the tips of people's tongues and it was like sympathy everywhere was Keen Jones who did like a bullying video that went viral. Long story short, his mother was trying to pimp his story for financial gains. After further research was done, his mother's a racist and enjoys taking pictures with the Confederate flag along with long walks on the beach. The reason why I mention this story is because some hip-hop artists wasted no time sending words of encouragement um, to the point that Captain America Chris Evans gave Keaton tickets to the LA premiere of the Avengers, Tennessee Titans, tight end. Delani Walker invited Keaton and his family to the NFL team's New Year's Eve face-off against the Jacksonville Jaguars. What I think is sad and devastating is that People were coming to the boatloads to support Keaton Jones and give him sympathetic word, words of encouragement, giving his family gifts, and they created a GoFundMe page and they was getting money. But Ashanti Davis, she died a couple weeks back, took her own life, and there was no talks about that. I don't recall people giving her money left and right for funeral arrangements. I don't recall people inviting her family out to any special events or ceremonies or providing words of encouragement. When the truth came out about the Keaton Jones, then celebrities started to kind of retract their statements in a sense of, like, taking back what they said. Um, some of them who posted him on their social media kind of took down the post. But it's like, okay, that's all good in the hood. But what about this girl and other girls similar to her, black girls, or young girls of color who are taking their lives because they're being bullying? Are we going to support them? Are we going to reach out to their family and give them the aid they need so that they can move on with their life and properly heal. And I was really bothered by this. And this was actually a conversation that was going around. It's like, how this, and this is the problem within our community. It's like, we pick and choose the people that we want to actually go out and help. And the ones like Keaton Jones, like his family's a known racist. So you're helping rednecks. That's really what you're doing. Like you're practically, you got little Duvall said it best. You got hoodwink by redneck. That's exactly what it is. So to me, it's like, okay, girls like her and in similar situations, are the hip, is the hip-hop community going to come forward in the system as well? Because it would be nice if you did that. You know, I'm not throwing shade. I'm just keeping it 100. But it was like, it was very disheartening to know that so many people came to this boy's defense, but this girl literally took her own life. And it's, she was a beautiful little girl. Very beautiful. Had a whole future ahead of her. And unfortunately, she took her own life, not realizing that she had a whole future ahead and that this doesn't determine who she is. Also, well, and just really quickly to take it a step further with that, you can, if you want to look at it in this way, Colin Kaepernick, uh, Colin Kaepernick taking a knee against police brutality 
can be seen in a way as a form of bullying as the police officers have the power they are targeting these young black men and you don't see the hip-hop community like going out in droves to actually support that and support him now that the movement has started to pick up uh, steam people are starting to slowly start to actually um join forces with it and teams are actually taking the knee and it started this whole conversation Mm -hmm. within the nfl but kind of what we were saying before earlier in the episode when when it's um something that's happening to essentially the oppressor the support and the action is just like swift decisive and overwhelming and it's just unfortunate that this is again the society that we're living in at this time. But again, I also do feel like I'm hopeful that things can change because things have gotten better. We have come a long way, but I just really want to point that out that yeah, it is what it is. That's what it that's what we're dealing with. Um another story is related to Rosalie Avila, who was taken off a light su- life support December first. Her family took her off of life support after she said she was being uh. So another story that I want to point out was Rosalie Avila, who recently was taken off of life support on December 1st. Rosie is a very interesting story because she was a victim of constant bullying by her classmates who essentially were calling her ugly and making her feel ugly. And she ended up taking her life by hanging herself. And out of this tragedy, her parents are now on a mission to not let her life be in vain. They are attempting to establish a nationwide law called Rosie's Law. And this law would require schools nationwide to establish and implement suicide detection and prevention programs on campuses. And it's scary to think that these kids are taking their lives at such a young age. Do you think something like Rosie's Laws can have an impact and make a difference in what's going on? I mean, hopefully it will have an impact and it will make a difference. I do think that, I honestly, yo, like this whole joint got me tight because I feel like the schools need to do more because these are happening in the school, around the schools. They really need to do more. And it's becoming really prevalent now that these young kids are like taking their own lives because of form of bullying. And to me, it was like, when did the, the climate of bullying change? Because I remember growing up, We've all experienced bullies to certain capacity. And normally what happens is if you get bullied, you end up fighting the person, you lose a fight. <laughs> nah. You keep a pushing the next day and it's regular. Or you win the fight and the person don't mess with you. In the Bronx. But you live past the fight. It was never a problem of the person coming back to kill you or you trying to kill yourself. Like, I don't I don't know. For me growing up, I don't recall it ever being that someone and to see these kids at the ages of ten taking their lives and it's like really like what is going on in the schools need to do more because bullying to me has just become severe and has increased a lot in the past like few years and I feel like the schools are not doing enough like to me it's like what is it going to take for the schools to do something are you going to wait for a parent to show up and start shooting up the school and saying my child life was taken for you to actually take it serious are y'all going to take it seriously when that parent goes to the next parent house and turn up because at, and to me these and also with parents hold your kids accountable there's no reason why your child is going to school bullying somebody else's kid there's no like the conversations you need to be having at home and you need to do something about it and for me i just don't understand like the parents are held responsible and the school are held responsible and i just wish that more will happen before it becomes a situation where it's like it's gonna be practically genocide among young kids of color they're going to be killing themselves. <sighs> and they haven't even experienced the worst part of life. That's just a taste. If that. Yeah. Do you think that on this new phenomenon going on, does our climate, political, and social media play a part in it? Um, Without a doubt. I think with the social media, there's just like, Slap challenges, hot water challenges. I didn't even know the hot water was a challenge to be quite Me real. either. And I have, I know people who've literally said to me, like, 
yo, all I want in life is just to like be there to film a fight and be the guy to scream wall star. And I'm just like, that's literally where we've gotten where these fight videos, people knocking people out videos, like this stuff is just running rampant online and people just can't get enough of it. So I think, especially when young children are seeing this, it just makes it, it just makes it more, I don't know, it just makes it more accessible for them and doesn't really, doesn't really highlight like the real dangers of what can happen and like perfect examples with this. And then I think also in terms of like the political climate with the Donald or the Teflon Don in office. And the fact that he was a bully throughout his whole election. Yeah, people are seeing that and the children are seeing that. So it's like you're seeing your leader. Yeah, like win with this fashion. Like, even if they're not consciously associating with, with that. With the help of the Russians, let's not forget. <laughs> he went fair and square, but continue. Yeah, even if even if they're not consciously thinking, oh, I can get where I want to get bullying and being... And cheating. Yeah. Yeah. But that can kind of just set in subconsciously. And kids are so impressionable, especially at a young age. Um, no, that's right. And in regards to that, were you a bully growing up or were you ever bullied? I definitely did mm. bully at some point growing up. Bully what? You like four feet tall. Yeah. That's the thing. I was a bully because I wanted to make friends. And I found that when I was making fun of people and I would be I would be able to make people laugh and people kind of just acknowledge me like, oh, he's funny. So you're like a class clown? More like a class meanie. Okay. Like not just cracking jokes like comedian, literally jokes at the expense of other people. And so you're an asshole. Basically. Okay. But I was young at that time. This was like before high school. So like mm-hmm. eighth grade and down. Um, so in light of these events that's going on, how does that make you feel knowing that you were on the opposite end of you being a bully? Oh, I, I completely got empathy for these other people that I was like harassing in the sense, not in a sense, actually, because... When when it kind of came out that, hey, Pierre's saying and doing these things and these kids are being um, affected by it, it, I basically got called out by the class, by the teacher. I remember like vividly, like I was in class with my head down, like crying, just like, damn, I didn't realize like I'm really hurting her that much that she would go tell on me. I just thought we were just having fun and... People were liking me because of it. I didn't really, I didn't really acknowledge the impact it had on her. Um, By you saying things to her that was hurtful. Yeah. Okay. Um. So once that kind of happened, that was like your aha moment. Yeah. That. Oh, your parents whooped your ass, and you finally realized this ain't it. Oh, that definitely happened as well. <laughs> Shout out to the Haitian parents. <laughs> The belt, the wooden spoon. But at least you learned <laughs> yeah. and you changed from that. But And the, the sad part about it, at least in my story, is that I realized, okay, I can be funny and make people laugh. Not at the expense of other people. Yeah. But I was so like shook up by the fact that I was hurting that person that I kind of became someone who didn't defend myself. So when I went into high school and people would bully me, for being black, being short, um, just being quiet, different than other kids. Like, I definitely wasn't defending myself. And I'm like, the old me would have literally roasted them. Because that was like how I grew up. Me and my friends, we just make fun of each other, crack jokes. So like, that was like a superpower I had. But I was like so scarred by like when I was reprimanded about it and really getting empathetic to other people felt. I kind of just took it like whatever. I'm not going to let this get me down, even though it definitely did, um, I didn't defend myself. So I've been on the other side of bullying to the point where like, I didn't want to go to school some days. Um, it was freaking crazy. Well, I mean, at least you learn from it. Yeah. Um, and I think it's important. Growing up for me, I wasn't necessarily bullied 
because I was like tall than most people or some of the people in my classmates. I was the one that like, I was the one that if I seen someone bully, especially if they were my friend that bothered me, if I knew they couldn't stand up for themselves, I would try to chime in and kind of, you know, help or like try to fight their battles for them. In a sense, that's kind of been my approach. I don't recall <clears throat> experiencing like being bullied or being a bully to anyone for that matter. I just didn't like you trying me or trying to be disrespectful or mean to me. That's something I didn't react to very nicely. But I remember growing up, I was, like, a bit sensitive. And I remember my cousins, we used to do, like, mama jokes, you mm -hmm. know, back in the day. And I remember I used to get so, I used to be so sensitive. I used to get so, like, upset. And I started, she, my cousin would be like, listen, if you can't handle this with just family coming at you with mama jokes, how you going to handle the real world out there? And that kind of, like, trained me to toughen up a little bit. Um... But it's, it's unfortunate. I don't recall me treating anyone any kind of way for them to go home and wanted to take their life or to reconsider their life for that matter or feel so, like, hurt. Um, and I think these are the conversations we need to have with people who are bullies and people who are not and people who have experienced it because we have to come to a common ground of having these discussions and coming up with solutions because, like I said before, and I said it early in the clip, at the rate it's going, especially with young kids of color taking their lives, it's going to be a genocide of young people of color because it's like they're taking their own lives. And to me, what's so disheartening is that you're taking your life over something that years from now you're going to look back and laugh at. That person who bullied you is probably going to be the person if you become an artist buying your first album, standing in line to listen to your music, so thirsty to get an autograph. And you hit him with a solid curve. Like, I remember you back in fifth grade. You know what I'm saying? Like, it saddens me because they haven't experienced the worst of life. I mean, in their mind at that age, it is worse. But mm -hmm. it's like, this ain't it. You know, this is not all. There's more to come. So I think we need to have more conversations surrounding bullying. And I think that the schools need to step in more. And the parents need to step in more. And need to have conversations with their children. Whether they're being bullied or not, it needs to be a topic of discussion. Just like... We have conversations about, you try to tell your child about what to say when they have interactions with the police. You need to have a conversation about bullying. Because it's now it's becoming at an increasing rate that these young kids are taking their lives. And it's, it saddens me. And it's like nothing is being done. And nobody's paying them any mind. You know, Ashanti Davis, that happened. And it was like, it was swept under the rug. And here we go with this other dude that came out two weeks later with his story, if it even happened. And it's like everybody's rushing to his defense. It's like, okay, so what? who lives matter more than others? You know, and I do think, what do you think in terms of um, reasonable solutions moving forward? Um, for me, Since what... Since you played both sides. For me, what really um, made a difference was really just getting empathetic about it. Just really putting myself in the other person's shoes and, like, see the impact of what I'm saying can ha have on them. But did it take someone to step in and make you think that way? Or you just got that organically? You started thinking that way along the way? That happened organically. Okay. And that's kind of when I stopped bullying and I started being a victim of bullying. I still had that empathy and it was so strong. Like, I don't even want to come at this person because I will end theirs and they will be feeling such a type of way about it that I don't even want to do that to them. Mm -hmm. So... I took it to an extreme to a certain extent, and that's something I've actually worked on, just knowing when to speak up and defend myself and when to just just play cool, let people say and do what they feel like they need to do, and just but just, again, knowing when to defend myself. And I think that is definitely a conversation that parents should be having with their children about just really being empathetic and understanding what other people are dealing with. Because at the end of the day, you really don't even know what other people are dealing with at home. So to you, it might just be a joke and it might not be a big deal. Yeah. Or you might be actually trying to hurt someone. But in perspective of everything else in their life that you, they're dealing with that you're not even aware of, it's, it can be life-shattering. And rest in peace to a lot of these young children who've actually taken Seriously. their life because of this bullying. What about you? What do you think in terms of solutions? Uh, you spot on in terms of, as I mentioned before, the schools need to be more involved. They need to yeah. come up with more um, preventions and maybe having a curriculum around it mm. and kind of really getting kids to open up their minds and 
maybe even having activities where one is a bully and one is not and switching roles and seeing what that's like. Mm. Um, I think that's important. So they can really feel it and see what it's like. And if you want to get real extra, have the adult be the bully onto the kid and let they feel what time it is. You know what I'm saying? So, And also, take it a step further and really scare the crap out of them. Like, listen, this person ended up taking their life. You want to go to Rikers. Let's do a trail trip at Rikers. Mm. Like, I, I get you that will wake somebody up real quick. Like, okay, mm, I don't want to be another Khalif brother. Let's go. Like, seriously. So I think they need to really sit down, maybe create a task force and get it going because I guarantee if they actually start taking preventative measures... Things will change. And also, like I said, the parents need to get more involved as well. So that's something that I think when those two things happen, I think it will definitely show some some progress and also take it a step further as we see, like, step by step how it works out with the parents in the school prevention. Like, if they have any kind of programs put in place or courses, I think it will be super dope if they actually did that. Yeah. Be more active and not just sitting around waiting for something to happen or a lawsuit to come about for them to actually do their damn jobs. No, that definitely. I love that. I love all of that. Um, so once again, thank you guys for tuning into our show. We really appreciate and love the support. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at unapologetic D underscore. And you can also follow us on Facebook at Unapologetically Different. And you can find all our episodes at iTunes and SoundCloud by searching for Unapologetically Different. Stay tuned for next week's episode. Bye.